Hi, my name's Ali Pitts, and welcome to a Russian and Soviet movie podcast. I thought it would be fun to begin 2024 by compiling a list of my top five first-time watches from last year and sharing them with you here. I'm not claiming these are the best five films I watched in 2023. There was just something especially memorable about the experience of watching each one I've chosen. I had planned to get this to you rather sooner, but one of the big things I've learned over the last few years is that it's really important to pace myself and not to burn myself out chasing self-imposed deadlines. And hey, at the time of recording, it's not quite the end of January yet. Okay, first up, I have Conscience, directed by Volodymyr Denisenko. I spoke about this Ukrainian World War II film on my five picks from Klasky episode last August, so I'll try not to repeat myself too much here other than reiterating that it's utterly devastating and deserves to be way better known than it is currently. I'd also like to point you towards an episode of The Projection Booth for a thoughtful, in-depth discussion of this film. An honourable mention here to another excellent World War II film by a Ukrainian director, Larissa Shipitko's The Ascent, which I also saw for the first time in 2023. I must say, it was a toss-up between this and Conscience for which to include in this list, and I opted for Conscience because I was aware of the Ascent's reputation going in. It lives up to that reputation, don't get me wrong, there just wasn't quite the same why isn't this way better known factor at play. Alright, from one kind of horrifying movie experience to another, albeit of the rather more conventionally enjoyable variety. My next pick is Fright Night, directed by Tom Holland from 1985. I saw this at the Skyroom Cinema in Milton Keynes Gallery at a screening organised by the amazing MK Horror Club. I think comedy horror might be my favourite horror subgenre, at least when it's done well, which for me it really is in this case. I was pleasantly surprised how full-on and splurgy the special effects were too. Also, I'm a big fan of The Princess Bride, so it was very cool seeing Chris Sarandon in something else. He's extremely charismatic in this, and is a lot of why the film works as well as it does. My third pick is Chameleon Street from 1989, written and directed by Wendell B. Harris, who also stars. It's based on the true story of Douglas Street, who, fed up with the monotony of working for his dad's business, passed himself off as a journalist, a lawyer and a surgeon, despite having no formal training for any of these professions. It reminded me of one of my favourite films with Nell and I, due to the linguistic flair of the script, the magnetic charisma of the central performance, the film's episodic structure, and the fact that the main character is simultaneously incredibly compelling and also incorrigibly narcissistic. That's where the similarity ends though. While Withnail comes from an extremely privileged background and feels entitled to success, Doug Street is African American and consequently faces obstacles that would not be there in a more just society. 
and therefore it's way easier to be sympathetic with his frustrations even though the remedies he seeks are morally extremely dubious. I'm grateful to filmmaker Ntume Gant and previous guest on this show, Spencer Seams, for putting this magnificent film on my radar. They discussed this one with Mark's pin on a special episode of Spencer's show, We Cut Heads, a Spike Lee podcast, so please do seek that episode out. This is also one they've covered over at the Projection Booth, which, along with a great discussion of the film, includes fascinating interviews with Wendell B. Harris and the cinematographer Daniel Noga. At the time of recording, Chameleon Street is streaming on Mubi in the UK, the Republic of Ireland, India, Australia, New Zealand, Mexico, Japan and Latvia. Probably some other places too, but not the US or Canada, I'm afraid I did check. If you'd like to give it a watch, I have an affiliate link for a 30-day free trial of Mubi, which is mubi.com slash russiansovietpod. That's mubi.com slash russiansovietpod, no dashes between those words. I'll be putting that link in the show notes for this episode, along with a link to my letterboxed list of other films I've seen on Mubi and highly recommend. Now, where were we? Ah yes, film number four. For this, I'm going with The Queen of Spades, directed by Thorold Dickinson from 1949. This one is rather more germane to the ostensible subject of this show than my last couple of picks, as it's an adaptation of an Alexander Pushkin ghost story about a military engineer who makes a Faustian bargain in the hope of winning a fortune at cards. It's an excellent film to use against the slightly annoying the books always better than the film crowd. I don't think I'm qualified to claim that the film actually improves on the original, but I certainly got more out of the screen version. It would make a great, if unnerving, double bill with Dickinson's previous Anton Walbrook collaboration, the original film version of Gaslight, as there are some strong thematic through-lines in terms of abusive and manipulative male behaviour. Costume dramas are sometimes, often unfairly, written off as being prim, staid and a little dull. This is anything but... While the 75th anniversary of its original release is fast approaching at the time of recording, it remains vital and absorbing. Martin Scorsese has called it a uniquely haunting film, and I don't think I can top that as a recommendation. Although I will say, previous guest on this show, Malcolm Nygaard, has it as his favourite film for 1949, the last time I checked. And last, but definitely not least, I've picked The Afterlight, directed by Charlie Shackleton. Last September, I moved to Oxford to be nearer work, and I'm now within walking distance of an incredible independent cinema, The Ultimate Picture Palace, which is where I got to see The Afterlight at a special screening that included a Q&A with the director. The film takes the document angle of the documentary genre and really runs with it. It weaves together moments and sometimes longer scenes from films spanning a 50-year period, with the selection encompassing many languages and cultures. 
as the film's evocative title suggests, a key part of the director's selection criteria was that each performer featured is no longer with us. Here's the thing that really sold it for me though. The film only exists as a single 35mm print, so every time it's played it will get slightly more worn away until eventually it fades beyond watchability. I was bowled over by this premise and I must admit a lot of why I went along to the screening was curiosity over whether it could possibly live up to its ingenious concept. I'm happy to report it's a spectacular success. As far as I'm concerned, it's a masterpiece of film curation and editing. It's also playful and at times rather moving. Also, I found there to be a fun element of cinephiles bingo to it. I was pleased to spot moments from quite a few films I'd seen, and one of them was from Kira Muratova's Brief Encounters, which I've discussed on a previous episode of this show. Actually, it was one of several moments from Russian-language films in there. I must admit, my curiosity got the better of me, and so I emailed the director asking what they all were, and he very graciously responded with answers. So that's a few more films added to my to-watch pile. If you're listening in the UK or the Republic of Ireland, or maybe somewhere in mainland Europe and happen to be involved with running a cinema with a 35mm projector or happen to know somebody who is, seriously, please book this film or ask them to. And if it happens to be playing near you, do not miss it. Listeners from further afield, please do excuse me for spending a fair amount of time on a film that would be very, very difficult for you to see. Thank you for indulging me. I figured as fellow film fans, you'd be intrigued to hear about this film if you weren't already aware of it. Okay, so that is my top five first time watches of 2023. If I've read my letterboxed entries correctly and I've got my maths right, I watched 148 films for the first time last year, and so it was incredibly tough narrowing it down to only five. But I do hope it's made for an enjoyable mini-ish episode. Do please check out the links to my letterboxed page, Mubi, Klasky, the UPP in Oxford, and MK Horror Club in the show notes. I'll also put contact details in there too, so if you have similar lists you'd like to share, please get in touch as I'd love to hear from you. That's all from me for now. Das Vidanya, folks!